morning. That time it was on when I started, not when I got to my name. Let's try that. My name is Mike. No, um, I'm really glad to be here. Uh, thank you for those of you who were in the Sunday School Answer and decided to stick around. That's always an encouragement. You guys didn't leave between times, so <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, as Luke read, we're going to be in the book of Colossians. That's kind of going to be our jumping off point. Uh, and then we're actually going to be looking at God's mission to humanity kind of throughout the Old Testament. Luke plans on walking with you guys through the five commission passages these next five weeks. So he's going to look at how Christ encouraged, commanded his disciples, believers, to engage the world for his mission. Uh, So he'll go through each of those five commission passages. But I think really to understand those five passages, we need to understand that missions did not begin in the New Testament. We need to be able to grasp the fact that God has been engaging with humanity from the get-go, from Genesis 1. So that's what we're going to look at today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be jumping around a bit. I will give you time to find where we're at for each of those passages, but I would encourage you to use your own physical Bibles. Uh, The verses will be up here on the screen. Good luck to the people trying to run it because I am all over the place, which you probably know if you were here for the Sunday School Hour. Uh, Before we jump in, though, let me pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be with family, to be with other believers who declare you as Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to visit Luke and Ellen and the kids, the joy that that brings us. Thank you for the opportunity to see their church, people who have poured into them and who love them. I pray for this time, Lord. I pray that we will learn more of our God. I pray that our relationship with our Savior will grow deeper today. I pray that we'll be challenged, that we'll be encouraged, be edified. I pray, Lord, that I will get out of the way so that your glory may be displayed. Prepare our hearts, prepare our minds. Let us leave this place prepared to display Christ's love in every facet of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. My daughter has not discovered yet that it's rude to laugh at my face, so she will be sitting over here laughing at me most of the sermon. So I apologize if that's a distraction, but she's like, Dad's got a funny nose, I'm going to laugh. So that's just part of life, so welcome to my family. Uh, As I said, we're going to be in Colossians, but before I start there, I want to tell you a story about my sister. I have three older sisters, and we all gathered. We live all over the world, and we all gathered for a family gathering a couple years ago. And I had done something as the youngest. I view it as my job, even as an adult, view it as my job to frustrate, annoy, challenge anything my sisters say because they're older than me. So I had done so, and I had frustrated my closest in age. Her name is Serenity. And so she came out of the house, and she was going to give me what for. She was ready to lay down the law because, you know, she's immature, and she wanted to yell. No. And so, so she comes out of the house, and I'm in the backyard. I'm, I'm gardening for my mom because I'm a good person. And I'm working in the garden, and I'm, I'm crouched down, and I'm gardening, and she blazes right by me. She is screaming my name. She's ready for war. She's like, Micah, and she walks right by me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm right here. And she had mistaken my father who was in the garage for me, and me for my father. So she thought, dad's working in the garden, and Micah's in the garage, and I need to go yell at him. 
So she blazes by me. She gets to the garage. Micah! And then she goes, oh, dad. <laughs> and she turns around and walks away because <laughs> she didn't want to get into and fight with dad. I tell you this story because my dad and I look alike. My physical attributes, the manner in which I speak, he's a pastor, missionary and a pastor. He stands up here. I basically just replicate all of the ways I talk. I've discovered this. I look like my dad, which is a shame because we're both funny looking. (laughs) But I look like my dad. I speak like my dad. I interact with people just like my dad. I respect my father. And so growing up, I have tried to emulate how he interacts with other people. I think we forget that we call God our Heavenly Father. I think when we interact with other people, we miss the chance to emulate God in how He interacts with other people. So my goal this morning, the desire of studying this passage with you guys, is to remind you that we don't engage with the world because we want to engage with the world. We don't engage with the world because we think it's a good idea. We engage with the world because God first engaged with the world. It's not a good idea. It's not a bright idea. We're not pioneers in this idea. From eternity past, it's been a God idea. So with that said, I want to look at Colossians 1.15. Because this is kind of the jumping off point for us to declare, okay, this was from the get-go. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. I think I have control of these slides, so let's see if I can get there. Apologies, y'all. Mm-hmm. Give me one second. Oop, no, not there. Ooh, there we go. That looks right. Boom. Did that work? It didn't. Well, if you guys up on in there can get to... Col- oh, look at that. Thank you so much. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I use ESV, so if it sounds just a little different, I apologize. This declaration by Paul is called a hymn of Christ. Christ's preeminence over all things. He's writing the Colossians, and he starts with Christ is the firstborn over all creation. Verse 16 says, for by Him, in Him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Just like John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. John and Paul are highlighting something really important. Christ was there at the beginning. Our understanding of the Trinity goes, yes, that is correct. Jesus was there, did I say Paul? Jesus was there at the beginning. So, as we study this passage, as we consider the reason why Christ came, I mentioned this in Sunday school, He came to seek and save the lost. Why then do we look at creation and go, this has nothing to do with missions? 
We don't need this part to understand God's engagement with humanity. We need to read. We need to engage with the beginning of Scripture if we ever have a hope to understand God's vision for missions. So Genesis 1, I'm not going to try to get there. Thank you so much. Genesis 1, 26-28 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the sea, fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In these three verses, we see God say, let us make mankind, humanity, in our image. Let me, God, engage with this lowly created being Often, we forget that we are not God. We go, my desire is most important. And when we don't get what we want, we're just as loud as my one-year-old daughter. I want it now. The only one who gets to declare that is God. God chose to engage with humanity by creating them. What a glorious thought. What a glorious idea to think that God has chosen to interact with us. That's pretty amazing. And it's from the get-go. It's not Matthew 28, 19 moving forward. It's not this mentality that Paul was the first missionary. No, God in His sovereignty eternally said, I am going to engage with humanity. I have a grand plan. It wasn't a flawed plan that he had to somehow go, oh, I need some duct tape. Genesis 3, quick, let me fix this up. That's not what happened. God perfectly knew that he was going to engage with his creation. Paul starts Colossians 1.15 with this reminder. Christ was there at creation. Christ didn't show up on the scene when we celebrate Christmas each year. Christ, from time bygone, the eternality of God, Christ was there. Ruler over all. If we're going to embrace missions... If we're going to say, yeah, we're a church that wants to engage with the people around us in Fisher, we want to do that, then we have to understand that mission, God's engagement with the world, began at the get-go. In the beginning, God's mission was there. Not, 
oh, the Israelites really messed up. I need to send a fix. Not, oh, now I've got to do it again. If you read the Old Testament, it's just a litany of mistake after mistake after mistake and God going, don't worry. I have a grand plan that allows you, humanity, to engage with my vision for the world. For missions to mean anything, we must, we must embrace the eternality of God's mission. It's not about you. Missions is not about you. Melissa and I, my wife and I, got to stand up here for an hour and talk about what we desire to see God do in another country. If you miss that, I can't talk more about it because we're live streaming right now. But we got to share about what we hope to see God do, not what we hope we can do. We are failures. I'm not ever going to save somebody on my own lonesome. Just don't happen. But God, in His faithfulness, from eternity past, knew that I would say, yeah, we'll go. Knew that Melissa would put up with me and go, yeah, we'll go. Knew that we would have a child who would go with us. Paul, Christ was there at creation. Don't miss that fact. He then goes on to say, let's see if it's on the screen. Ah, thank you so much. Look at that. I'm following my slides. <laughs> Colossians 1.17. <laughs> he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. Now, again, I want to pull us back into the Old Testament. Because if we don't understand, again, we don't stand solely on the New Testament. Missions does not stand solely on the New Testament. All things hold together in God. First place that I want to point to, I could go to Genesis 3. He will strike your heel and you will crush or strike his head. Makes a lot of sense. Oh, God, huh, all things hold together. But all oh, the slides in front of me. No, I'm kidding. Genesis 12 is another place where this holds together, where Christ, in his faithfulness, in his mission, holds together the grand plan of God's mission to the world. It says, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed. These three verses, really two, I kind of ignore verse one. These two verses are some of my favorite in Scripture. Read that last part again. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed. The only reason that's true, Paul just clarified it in Colossians 1.17, all things hold together in who? Christ. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. See, we are not meant, often, 
we're seven years old, we say, I'm just making up a number, I'm going to say the Lord, sinner's prayer, I'm going to be a Christian, and boy, am I going to be blessed for the rest of my life. Woo-hoo-wee! It's great. Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. No one, no person in the world is meant to be an end user of God's glory, of God's blessing. That is not your role. When you were saved, you then took on this mantle. Go and be a blessing. Not be blessed and have a nice life while you're at it. Not be blessed and show up on Sunday. Not even be blessed, show up on Sunday, give some of your Monday, and have a bumper sticker that says I'm a Christian. That doesn't work. Rather, be blessed to be a blessing. If you are not engaging with the people around you to bless them, you have missed out. Because in the New Testament, it says you gain a greater relationship with your Savior when you share with others. You gain a better understanding of who He is when you share it with others. What an awesome thought. What if in our schools, I like your, what is it? Mennonite Youth Fellowship? Is that what it is? MYF? I love that term. That's great. What if Mennonite Youth Fellowship truly meant that you fellowshiped with non-believers on a daily basis, displaying Christ's love to them? What if in your work, adults, parents, don't start nodding and going, yeah, what if you did that, kid? (laughs) Parents, what if in your work, you were a blessing to those around you? We like to blame other people. We like to blame politics. We like to blame everything but ourselves for anything that goes wrong in our lives. My neighbors don't like me because Joe Biden's president. Doesn't work that way. Your neighbors should love you because you love Christ. That is where the comment ends. Be blessed. What a joy. We get to be blessed. What a wonderful fact of life. You guys here get to call Christ your personal Lord and Savior. You have a personal relationship with the Creator of all. You're blessed. So now be a blessing. Engage with those around you. See, if we've embraced the eternality of God's mission then we're going to embrace, look at this, I've got it up, boom, the vision of God's mission. The vision of God's mission is to use each one of you. As a little kid, I think most little kids are power hungry. My mentality was, if I was God, I would just make everybody believe in me, then we would be done with this whole thing, and okay, cool, we're set. God, I figured out your bad plan and I fixed it for you. (laughs) Done. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) That's kind of how my prayer life went. (laughs) Then I got spanked because my parents were like, no, that's not how that works. (laughs) God's vision is to use humanity, His children, sons and daughters, to share with the rest 
of the world. It's not. The primary way for him to engage is not through dreams and visions. The primary way that he engages with the rest of humanity is through you. You're blessed. Ergo, therefore, be a blessing. That's sweet. Wouldn't it be cool if we got behind that vision? As a church, wouldn't it be cool if you got behind that vision? To understand what missions means, we got to understand it's eternal. It uses us, which is problematic because we're messed up. We each have our own flaws, but God has chosen to use you. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then Paul goes on. I love Colossians, by the way. Paul goes on. He says, oh look, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. I'm going to give you some time to turn to the next passage. We're going to go to Psalm 87. I'm not going to read it just yet, but turn there because I want you all to actually, if you have physical Bibles, I want you to read this one. Psalm 87. Colossians 1, 18 talks about the fact that in everything he might be preeminent or in everything he might be supreme, have supremacy over everything. We forget that that means he is going to be supreme, preeminent, first, our focus in the church. We read Exodus, we read Leviticus, we stop reading at Numbers because it's so boring. We then jump back in at 1 Samuel and we go, God was preeminent in the Old Testament. He was preeminent. Christ, he's nowhere to be seen. Must not have been preeminent back then, but then Matthew comes around and he's re preeminent. Wrong. Preeminent. End of discussion. First, supreme, head over all, including Israel, which means his grand plan was supreme back then. Psalm 87 is one of the coolest missional passages, in my opinion, in Psalm. It says, I'm not going to read that, the title. Um, it says, He has founded His city on the holy mountain. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwellings of Jacob. Now, if you're, if you're a Jewish person reading that, you agree wholeheartedly. If you're a Christian reading that, you agree wholeheartedly. And then we get to what some people miss. Glorious things are said of you, city of God, I will record Rahab and Babylon among those who acknowledge me. Philistia too, and Tyre, along with Cush. And we'll say, this one was born in Zion. The sons of Korah, the author of this psalm, just mentioned all the random nations surrounding Israel and said, they will be part of my grand city. They will be included in Zion. Israelites go, well, God, actually, we're the special ones. And often, 
We in our churches do exactly the same thing. I'm saved, they're not. I'm in, they're not. I'm special because Jesus loves me, and they're not. This psalm just goes, no, I want all nations. This is kind of the A through Z. That was a map atlas in England. The roadmap, the State Farm roadmap of America, and says, here are all the states surrounding Illinois. I don't know them because I'm not a bad American. Um, and he says, he mentions them. Cush, Philistia, Babylon. Those people you really, really hate. They're going to be part of my family. Church. That neighbor you really, really hate. God wants them to be a part of His family. He wants them to be a part of your family because you're part of the church family. That really is hard to swallow. My sister Serenity, sometimes I tried just to pretend she wasn't part of my family. Imagine what I do with people I really don't. I love her. Some people I just don't like. And God says, I love them. Therefore, you need to love them. Whether you disagree with every word that comes out of their mouth, if they say Jesus is Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe in Him. They are your brother or sister. And if they don't, you know where they're headed. And you have the ability to share with them. That is a heavy, heavy weight. And it's what God has called us to do. Okay, so we've embraced the eternality. I've won you over on that one. We've embraced the vision. But this one is difficult to embrace. Because it means we have to like those. We have to love those we don't like. We have to embrace the diversity of God's mission. God, in His great, glorious, perfect wisdom, has said that people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and your smelly neighbor are going to declare Him as Lord. And He says, you guys... Us guys, go declare that to them. Display Christ to them. Display His love to them. Alright, I've got like two hours left, right? That's about, okay. Colossians 1, moving on. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. In case you were wondering, Colossians is the best book to read. You should go read it when you go home. The whole thing is full of wisdom. Colossians, the whole Bible is. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I think, don't quote me on this, I think Luke is going to go through the commission passages and then he's going to land on 2 Corinthians 5. 
2 Corinthians 5 is all about the ministry of reconciliation. Don't go there because I would steal Luke's thunder. In the Old Testament, this ministry of reconciliation, the reason why just a couple minutes ago we all stood and sang loudly, the reason why we get to glorify God is because God has saved us. We often think of that as a New Testament result. And yet in Malachi 4, go there, this is fun. Malachi 4, it talks about people leaping like cows from a stable. I said in the earlier hour, I am a city boy through and through. I have no clue what it looks like to see calves leaping out of a stable. I just know I like them leaping onto my plate. But I do not, thank you, I do not understand this imagery. But I do know what it is supposed to create in us. An understanding that God's mission to us, His love for us, is great. Malachi 4 says, Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. I want to pause there real quick. Just a suggestion from me to you. I'm not an expert on missions, but I would not suggest using this passage specifically if you're going to share with a non-believer. I had had a friend uh, whose mother, she became a believer. She was a little older and she was a little rough around the edges. She became a believer and she was so excited to share the gospel with people. She went on a cruise. She sits next to someone on a cruise. She's like, have you heard about Jesus? She's really excited to share. And the person says, I'm on a vacation. I don't want to hear what you're talking about. And this friend's mother responded to her, well, then you can go to, and fill in the blank there. That was, that was her way of sharing the gospel. She, she needed a little re-clarification on how to share the gospel. So I would suggest don't use this specific verse. Share the gospel, but don't use Malachi 4.1. All right, continuing. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and the laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of their children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Malachi 4 Verse 6 ends. And then we get to Matthew. The end of the Old Testament talks of the day of the Lord and the joy that will come in our hearts. That points to Christ. Don't miss the fact that the entirety of the Old Testament is a testament to God's mission to humanity. Okay, we've embraced the vision. 
We've embraced, oh no, the eternality. I forget my own order. We've embraced the eternality. We've embraced the vision. We've embraced the diversity. Now we've got to embrace the magnitude of God's mission to the world. What a joy to be saved by Christ, to be reconciled to a God who sees sin as death. We live in that joy. We must live out of that joy, engaging with others. Just like my father, who I look like, who I imitate, we must imitate, embrace God's mission to humanity. Don't think it's your mission. Don't call it East Bend's mission to Fisher. Please don't do that. Don't call it the ward's mission to the people group they're going to. Call it God's mission to humanity and imitate it in all that you do. The manner you parent, the manner in which you obey your parents, the manner in which you engage with your friends. Imitate God's mission, the vast vision of that mission to the world. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to be reconciled to you and to be part of the ministry of